Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KCBS Radio. Original podcasts. The death of Jane Stanford, the founder of Stanford University, is an enduring mystery at the heart of one of the country's most prestigious schools. But at the time of her murder, it benefited those around her more if she had died by natural causes. The university's top officials orchestrated a cover-up and Jane's killer would walk free. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mallory Samara, and this is Bay Current. In KCBS Radio's latest true crime podcast series, Bitter Academia, host and creator Natalia Garivich explores Jane's life and the circumstances that led to her untimely death. And now, as Women's History Month draws to a close, we'll take another look at what made Jane such a unique woman of her time and how her legacy persists to this day. So Natalia, what makes Jane Stanford a woman who was who is high standing and wealthy, relatable to the average woman or even person. You know, Jane is a great example of Gilded Age wealth and excess and, you know, abundance. Um, but at the end of the day, she was she was a woman who was a mother and she had a child really late in life and she dedicated almost everything she cared about to him and wanted him to have the best, best advantages he could have. Um, best education, everything that she did when he was born, she did for him. And ultimately she lost him when he was just 15. And like most mothers do, you know, she mourned the loss, but she also took it and made it into something really incredible, a university that she wanted to be emblematic of what education could be. And that's one of the reasons why Stanford was one of the first, you know, co-education schools, um, allowing women and men um, to learn at the same place. You know, she was really, really remarkable in that sense, but also, I think, pretty relatable in that sense. And what made Jane Stanford, besides the obvious, a remarkable woman of her time? You know, she was not exactly who you'd expect to be a, a champion of education, especially for both women and men. She, she was ultimately pretty conservative in her own personal beliefs. Um, you know, she was a spiritualist. She was really involved with the church. And she also, you know, was a very traditional person. But despite all of that, she still was in a position where she was the decider in a room full of men on more than one occasion. And I think that is what makes her remarkable because at that time, women weren't even really expected to speak in public, much less, you know, command a fortune uh, that surpassed most people at that time and order around a bunch of, you know, old stodgy academics. So I think that is kind of one of the things that makes her unique. 
Yeah, that was going to be that was going to be my next question was what the what the climate was like for women at the time during Jane's life. I mean, this is at the time of like all men's sports clubs and, you know, uh, and all of that. So like what you know, what else was happening around that time for for women? Like what what kind of rights did they not have? <laughs> I mean, like I said, women women were not really allowed or even expected to speak in public. Like that only really started happening with the suffragist movement and the spiritualism movement, which the two kind of go hand in hand a lot, which a lot of people don't really know. Um, in the middle of the 1800s, you know, the Seneca Falls, uh, the first sort of meeting of suffragists happened. Um, and then the spiritualism movement, movement took off. And women were more often than not mediums because they were seen as being more sensitive, more attuned um, than men were. And so for the first time, women, you know, acting as more of a vessel for other voices were actually allowed to speak in public to hold, you know, crowds attentions. And I think that paved the way certainly for a lot of change. But ultimately, you know, around the time when Jane died in 1905, women were still very much expected to be quiet, demure uh, in the background. Mm -hmm. They were not allowed to be, you know, primary earners. They were not really expected to do much more than to marry and produce children. And so, you know, <laughs> Jane was a mother, she was married, but she was a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. And was there anyone else on the same level as Jane at that time in terms of status and role as a wealthy woman? Um, yeah, it is interesting. I, during this project, you know, I had the good fortune to interview, you know, a lot of historians and one of them in particular sort of turned me on to the story of Phoebe Hurst. Um, she... She also, like Jane, was a very wealthy woman, and she basically did what she wanted. Um, and she also channeled her wealth and her energy into higher education. She was a huge supporter of UC Berkeley, which, you know, is my alma mater, so I have a certain loyalty there. <laughs> um, but, I mean, ultimately, besides, besides Phoebe Hurst, there really weren't that many women in the same position as Jane, which, you know, I, I imagine could have been pretty lonely at times. I mean, I was even surprised. Uh, I guess I didn't I didn't know too much about the history of Stanford University. And so I learned I've been learning a lot um, about her in your podcast. So it's been pretty cool to, to highlight a woman, um, even as tragic as her ending was. Um, looking back on Jane's life now, months after this project started, I mean, I remember when you first started working on it and you had this idea sparked in your head. And I mean, it's, it feels like it's forever ago <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, how has your perspective changed about Jane? I mean, when I first started the project, my perspective of Jane was very much what the narrative, the narrative about her was created by the university, that she was this, you know, incredible, philanthropic, forward thinking woman, a, a true icon. And I mean, in a way she was like in a lot of ways she was, but she also was kind of vindictive. Um, she was a bit harsh. Um, she wound up not really being close to much of her family towards the end of her life. Um, she pushed a lot of people away from my perspective because she was worried they were only interested in her wealth. And, you know, at the end of the day, 
I just feel like my perspective on her is much more rounded now. I see her a lot more as... My perspective on her is a lot more rounded now. I see her as, you know, a woman who was struggling with a lot, um, which probably would have made most people uh, a bit paranoid, suspicious, unpleasant. Um, but that doesn't take away from, you know, all that she did manage to achieve. So, uh, yeah, I would say my perspective has changed in the sense that I now acknowledge that there are parts of her that might be less favorable than others, but that doesn't detract from anything she did. She's a human being, right? Exactly. <laughs> As we all are. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Natalia Gurevich. Thank you for having me. Host, creator, producer of Bitter Academia, uh, who also just won a Gracie Award for uh, her last podcast, true crime podcast for KCBS, Sausage King. Yeah, no, it's and super exciting. Thank you. To learn more about Jane Stanford and the founding of Stanford University, listen to KCBS Radio's true crime original podcast, Bitter Academia, available now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Bay Current is a production of KCBS Radio. I'm Mallory Samara. This episode was co-produced and co-written by Natalia Gurevich. For more Bay Area stories, subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.